Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Rural Revival Podcast. We are so excited to have you join us for our first episode. Today, we're interviewing April Wilkes of Vintage Pickin in Fife, Alabama. April and her family have turned their farm into a twice a year vintage barn sale. And today, April's going to share a lot with you about her journey in building this business and what she's learned about being an entrepreneur in a small town. So here we go. Well, today we're coming at you live from Fife, Alabama. I'm here with my new friend, April Wilkes. She runs Vintage Pickin. I'm I'm so excited for her to tell you all about that. Um, April, thanks for being here with us. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to do this. I can't wait to get started and tell you all about it. It's going to be so much fun. Absolutely. Um, Just to kind of help set the stage for our listeners, tell us a little bit about your town and how long you've lived here and what you do. Yeah, I actually live in a town called Fife, Alabama, and it's in the northeast corner of Alabama. I have actually lived here my whole life. Um, So I've been here from birth. And, you know, growing up when you're young, you're like, oh, I'm so moving away. You know, I'm going to get out of this small town. I'm going to move to the city. And you leave for a little while and you're like, nope, I'm going back. I want to go back to that small town. And I just think, you know, you don't really appreciate it when you grow up as much at a young age. Yeah. Um, But it was just something I knew I had to get back to. It's very small, but it's such a community based and everybody knows everybody and helps everybody. And so I just love that about it, that everybody is, um, I don't know, you just know everybody. It's that small town feel and community and uh, it just makes it a uh, more hometown experience. Absolutely. So what started your love for vintage? Oh, gosh. Well, I grew up um, as a kid, as a my family junk, is what we called it. You know, we went junking uh-huh. on Saturdays. My grandmother was a collector. Um, some might say a hoarder. You know, I don't know. You can call it what you want, but she collected and had a love for uh, unique things. And uh, that's just kind of what we did. We you know, we didn't have just a whole ton when we were growing up. And so we would walk into these stores that would be full of junk to others. And, but to me, you know, in my family, it was something that we could take and still turn it into something beautiful and use it and uh, find another value for it where it was somebody else's trash, you know? Yeah. And so it just kind of started that love inside of me at a young age. So that eventually then turned into what is now Vintage Pickin'. I know. It's crazy how growing up, you don't really realize that the things and experiences in your life is preparing you for something that you can't even foresee or imagine. If somebody would have told me when I was in high school, you are going to be the host of a vintage market, I would have been like, what? (laughs) (laughs) But it really, it really kind of set the stage for that and kind of taught me um, just a lot about it and how to find those gems and those pieces amongst the junk, you know, in there and um, look for the beauty uh, in things that, you know, maybe to somebody else wasn't. So it's really cool how it kind of all played out and set the stage uh, for doing this later because I actually was a hairdresser, you know, before this. So it's kind of cool. That's so great. So how did vintage picking actually then start? Well, um, I guess I know, you know, probably like, I don't know, when did blogs get really big, but maybe 15 years ago, yeah, something probably right like that. about there. Um, I had, didn't have any kids then. And so blogs had just come out. So that was like my downtime at night. I would read all these little home decor blogs And I kept seeing um, this one lady that I followed. Her name was called My Sweet Savannah. She was in Washington State. And she would post all these really cool sales all the time that she would go to. It was these vintage fairs. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. We have to get to Washington State. There is nothing like that here. I I had never even saw or heard anything of it. And so um, I was following this blogger. Uh, Her name is Savvy City Farmer. And she posted about a show in Nashville called City Farmhouse. And I was like, yes, there is something in driving distance. And so I just took off work and we loaded up and went. And it was just, I don't know, it was that crazy feeling like the minute we got out of the car, that heart racing, you know, you're just like so excited. And I literally just kind of ran from booth to booth. And when we were leaving there, I told my husband, I said, okay, we have two options. We either have to move to Franklin (laughs) so I can be a part of this and be a vendor, or either we have to do something like this because I've been watching this for years on these blogs in other states and there's nothing like this here. And 
I want to bring this to our community if we can, because if other people can feel this way and feel what I felt here today, and I can bring that to other people, then I want to be able to do that. That's so great. So describe then how you kind of developed that. Yeah idea. It, it was um, several years in the making. You know, I walked home with that and, and I had that passion that day. But as you go home and this, just the logistics of it and trying to think of reality, could this really happen? I mean, uh-huh. we live in this tiny town um, with one red light and a grocery store. So would people really drive here? And so I think it was maybe two and a half years that it really took of the Lord really pricking my heart. And it was on my mind constantly. I talked about it constantly. I couldn't sleep at night. I dreamed about it. I had two notebooks that I wrote down ideas about it. Um, And I just, it took me that long to kind of get to my heart to believe that we could do this. And uh, it took my brother and sister-in-law really encouraging and supporting and was like, April, you're meant to do this. You can do this and we're going to help you and we're going to support you in it. We will do whatever it takes, but you have to do this. And so um, with their encouragement and the Lord, like not letting that dream die out, um, we took a chance and we just walked out in blind faith into a business that we had no clue or no idea um, how to do it. You know, we really had never been a part of anything like that and really didn't know how that side of a business worked. But we knew that, you know, God would provide and, you know, put people in front of us that we could learn from and study the market and just kind of figure it out on our own one step at a time. Wow. Well, I know that you really did your research in that kind of development stage Mm -hmm. and you didn't just start this on a whim. What was that whole process like? Just trying to learn from what other Mm -hmm. people were doing and how that would fit here. Yeah, really um, what we did was we kind of hit the road, you know, and just trying to experience as many markets as we could that was similar and kind of bring something back from each one that we loved. You know, I really loved how they had the food set up, or I really loved this, or I really loved, you know, that there was such a wide variety of types of merchandise and items, or, you know, I loved that they had workshops for the shoppers, or just those kind of things, because I think all of us need mentors in our lives, and I've heard Jennifer Allwood say in our group, you know, find somebody in your business and not in your business that, that has done it and that's successful, and you don't copy what they do, but you start to recognize those things that what has set them aside different that's that's got them to that point. And so we really just kind of tried to study, you know, those people who's been in it longer, they're seasoned and they've doing it. And what are they doing that's working for them? And, and what do we see as the customer that's like, wow, you know, that's one thing that keeps us coming back. And how can we incorporate, you know, those things and kind of do some things differently um, and, and bring those here to our town when we decide to do this. And so, that's kind of what we did and, and really studying what um, that customer base wants and how to reach them. And we, we really realized that social media was a big platform and way that that's how we find out about things. That's how we, that's our go-to is, oh, let's look it up on Facebook. And so we knew that was the number one thing we had to start eventually, of, you know, before we even launched the event was we had to have a Facebook page. And so starting from those two things right there, those were the both the first things that we knew that had to be in order. And we just went with it from there. So you were gathering for a couple of years, just all these ideas. And then you got your website Mm. and got on social media. And then it it was your first event. Yes. Uh, I'll never forget. I was actually driving to Nashville um, for, and it was Country Living Fair. And my sister was like, April, today's the day. We are launching this Facebook page, and we are posting that you're doing this business. I was like, oh, are you sure? We can't. I'm so nervous. She was like, April, I just I hit, I just hit publish. I did it. And I just remember this wave of emotions of excitement, and there was so much great feedback. Because you know you worry, will it be crickets? Yeah. Is anybody going to come? Are they interested in this? Is there people out there that love this as much as me? And they did. And we started an event page, and it just grew and grew and grew, and there was so much excitement about it, and people were excited about it, and so that really just kind of lit that fire to keep going and give you that encouragement, you know, that, okay, all right, that was the first step, and so before we knew it, we did that in April and launched the event and the Facebook page, and our first sale was in September, and so... You know, those months just flew by. We were um, out on the road just doing old school foot traffic, you know, hitting every antique store and vintage market that we could go to, to that was our shoppers. Those were our people that we, you know, that was there that would want to come to the same type of event. And yet it was also vendors as well. And so 
we just hit the ground running, passing out cards and flyers and just meeting people and getting to know the people in the industry and just sharing our heart and our vision with them. And luckily, you know, there were so many of them that were on board too and took a chance on us. You know, we were a first time event. So uh, there was 25 at our first event and I still will be so grateful for them because it's, it's a risk for them to come to event and say, well, how many shoppers have you ever had? Well, we've had none. We've not ever had an event before. That was the first question every person and every vendor that we would try to approach and talk to. Well, how long have you been in the business? How much experience do you have? How many shoppers do you have? And so I didn't have an answer for that. And so those people that took a chance on us and were vendors at our first show, you know, that was hard. That was a lot for them to take a risk to come to show that they didn't know if anybody was going to show up, but they believed in us. And they believed in the vision that I had given them. And so that was worth gold to me, you know, to have somebody to support that and to come and take a chance. And luckily it paid off. You know, we had 1,500 shoppers our first show and all we could do was just stand in awe. We were just so grateful and so thankful that there were that many people willing to come and support us. It was just, it really honestly was just like that awe moment. You're like, wow, okay, how did this happen? And you just see God in it, you know, because um, there's just no way me on my own um, never been in the business and really had no clue what I was doing, <laughs> just going with his leadings and, you know, just learning everything I could get my hands on and listening to every business podcast I could and just really bootstrapping it. And so he really showed up and we're just grateful that, you know, we're still able to do it. So absolutely. So now you've had how many events? I think we're on our sixth one already. It's crazy how, you know, time has just flown by. We started in September of 2015, so now we're starting our first spring show of 2018 in preparation for it, and so it's just amazing um, that we're still in business and still going and still, you know, uh, excited about where God's leading it and taking it for us. I love that. So you do two events a year, is that right? Yeah, we do a spring and fall event, and we're looking at adding a third event. There's been lots of talk about a Christmas show. Um, Who knows? We're going to see if that's an option. Uh, we kind of go back and forth too is a lot. <laughs> it takes yeah. about six months to prep and plan for. Um, so there's a lot of work into it. But um, if if it's something that it's manageable and doable, we, we're looking into doing a third show. So we're excited about that. Awesome. So you've gone from two events a year yes. and it just keeps growing. It and does. what does that look like now? Well, it's it's been crazy. We are still doing two events a year. We, we've talk about doing a third one. We're still not sure yet whether we may throw a Christmas one in there eventually one day, but we have the two events a year and we've each time we've saw growth in our numbers of our shoppers, but our vendors as well too. So we started out as 25 vendors at our very first show and we're now up to 55. So it's just so amazing to be able to see that growth um, and watch it happen and seeing the fruits of your labor, you yeah. know, kind of come to pass. And so we're so excited about that. And it's just amazing to be able to showcase that many small businesses. Um, so I love that, that we are able to grow and add a few more every time because um, it's a way to bring light to their business and showcase them all here together and their talents and their businesses too. And so we have that and that's growing. And then now we're actually kind of transitioning and stepping into a, a next phase of vintage picking and we're going to be offering a storefront. And so it'll be a pop-up store, and we're so excited about it uh, to be able to offer that to our customers because that was one thing that we noticed in talking to them was that they wanted more of vintage picking. Uh, They wanted to come more than just twice a year. And they just kept telling us that over and over. We want more days to shop, more times to shop. And so we thought, how can we let them keep asking for that and not give that to them if – um, it's something that they want and something that we're interested in. And so we're so excited. It's it's going to be a pop-up storefront right here in our barn, right beside our house. And so it's been a labor of love, you know, excitement, all kinds of emotions and, and a little nervousness, you know, because it's something different. And so we hope that they love it and they'll keep coming back to it. So it's it's really a neat experience. There's not any vendors at this one. So, you know, we our normal events has 55 vendors. And so this will just be us. So it's been nice to kind of get back to my roots a little bit of me curating and, and going out and hunting and finding it and bargaining and using it and staging it and being able to present it all to them instead of kind of being just the manager of this event, you know. And if it goes well, you know, we may kind of start out quarterly. Okay. And then maybe lead into monthly. And if it does really well, we may just go straight into monthly. We're just kind of letting the customers tell us what they want. 
and seeing where God takes it. And so we're so excited about that and being able to offer something different to our customers as well, just besides our twice a year events. So I love it. So how would you describe your style of vintage picking, like the events and now your pop-up store? It's, I don't know if you would call it eclectic. It's a mix of everything for the event. I really try to have something for everybody because not everybody's a junker, you know? Yep. Not everybody wants old and rusty and crusty and farmhouse. And then there's some people that want mid-century modern. There's some people that want, you know, um, they want that primitive style, that really, really old primitive style. So we really try to have a little bit of everything here in the store. It's going to really be the same way. Um, we've went and curated things, uh, from Kentucky, from Nashville and picked, but yet we've went to market and found some really cool, amazing decor pieces that can totally be intertwined with old vintage and antique pieces too. And they mesh well together. They feed off each other. So there's something for everybody, honestly, uh, for me, um, it's all about the story. Yeah. Um, I, for me, that's what it is. I love the history of a piece. I love old. I love primitive. But yet there's new pieces in my house as well. Um, but it's the craftsmanship is a lot of it when you look at these older style pieces. Um, as far as my style, I look and I just think about how much skill they had to have with limited tools, limited access, and how long it actually took them to create and make this piece. It was such a gift. You know, it wasn't something that just anybody could do. And it was lots of labor of love and sweat and blood and tears that had to go into it to make that. And I'm like, wow, that is what's cool to me. And so when I'm buying a piece, I look for the craftsmanship of it, yeah, um, the style of it, the color of it. Um, but it's the story that draws me in every time. And I know everybody's not that way. But for me, that's just a part of my style. But I have a little mix of everything and old and new and farmhouse and a little bit of modern. So there's just a wide variety. And everybody, you need to go check out her social media pages because you'll see exactly what she's talking about. It's, I love your style and it's so fun to see what you post because it's something new all the time. And it's just fun to look at. You've been really intentional about building this the right way, keeping your day job, so to speak, because Mm -hmm. you've been a hairstylist for most of your life. Yeah. It's really, it was out of necessity in the beginning, you know, I mean, uh, you never know if this side hustle is going to work out. And so it was, it was a dream and it was something I was so passionate about, but yet I had to have that income for my full-time job, you know, not knowing where this was going to go. And so I really just tried to scale and balance. I wasn't always well at it. Um, I will say, you know, it, it is hard being a mom and a wife and a business owner, I did own my own business, you know, as far as owning a salon. And uh, I worked on the side for photographers doing contract hair and makeup. So that kept me very busy as well. Um, So trying to find that balance, you know, is definitely something I would say to anybody starting their own business is very hard, but it's doable. And so for me, I was able to do that, you know, um, and, and work both. So I would leave one job and and come home and get my kids in the bed. And at 11 o'clock at night, I would start the second job. And I know people probably thought, why is this girl sending me emails at one in the morning? But it was the time I had, you know. And so you just have to make it work. And so I would tell that to anybody. You know, in the beginning, it is a sacrifice. And so that was hard. And that was a hard part of it. But I loved it. And I was so passionate about it that it didn't feel like work a lot of times. Um, And it was easy to stay up till three o'clock in the morning. And my husband's like, come to bed. I'm like, but I've got to finish this. I've got to finish this. So, um, you know, that's kind of what it looked like. It was a lot of hours and a lot of work. And I had to be intentional about it and really making the time for it. And my family was so supportive. So, you know, that helped that they believed in it and they wanted to help me when they could. And um, you just had to make the time for it. So, uh, working that in was, it was a challenge, but it was definitely doable. And, and so you just kind of scale it from there. So what does that look like now? Are you still doing both things? Yeah, I've actually just took a risk this January. Um, I kind of slowly, because that's my nature. I'm always, I've always been the person to play it safe. I know on the outside, it may not look like that, but I do like, I'm such a warrior and, uh, you know, I want to play it safe and do it smart. Um, so I just kind of really transitioned from five days a week to four days a week and then then down to three days a week. And so um, now this year, I just really kept feeling like the Lord was really prompting me um, to step back even more. Um, it wasn't, you know, one of those things that I would say was logical. If you looked at it on paper, 
Um, but you had to really, I had to really look at it as, you know, if the Lord is asking me to do this, then I know he's going to provide a way and, and he may, uh, be waiting on me to do that, to really take vintage picking to where it's supposed to go. And so it was, um, it was very hard and scary because I love my business. I love my clients. They're like family and I've been in it for so long. It's been 18 years. It's all I know. Um, but I was also excited about what was to come. And watching him grow this and watching to see where this business was going and, and where he was leading it. So it was like walking out into an adventure, you know. And so I'm down to part-time. I'm one to two days a week now in the salon so that I can really focus on growing vintage picking. Because, you know, you can't have your hands in 10 things and be able to give it all 100%. And I had to realize that something was going to give eventually, whether it was the salon, whether it was my family, whether it was my home or whether it was vintage picking, everything couldn't get 100%. So um, I just kept having to slowly uh, find where I could um, let go of something, you know, to feed in more time for that so that this business could be successful and continue to keep growing. And so that's kind of what we've done this year and taking that step of faith and risk. And so we're excited to be able to give it more time and watch and see how it grows, you know. I love it. Well, there have been lots of leaps of faith along the way. Definitely. And you're doing it again with yes. your storefront. So talk to us about those yeah. leaps of faith and the results that you have seen yeah. on the other side of that. It, I mean, it really is. In starting a business, I think all of us, it's just blind faith. You know, it's something that you're passionate about and you have this vision for and you just hope and pray that everyone else sees that and yes. you can cast that vision to them. And so it's so scary. So, you know, I would say that every year there's been another faith leap that I've got to do. And so from the very beginning, it was just, will people be interested in it? And the next year it was like, will they come? Will they come again? Do they still, are they going to be tired of it? You know, and then, um, you know, there's the financial risk, you know, of, you know, are we going to get this return? And how long is it going to take? You know, they tell you that a bit, any business, it takes three to five years to really see, um, a substantial growth to get your investment back. And so all of those things were a risk. And then um, as I was stepping back from my job was a risk. And um, there was just a lot of leaps of faith of where, okay, you know, you build it and they come, you know, you just hope that they do. And I really honestly, for me, I felt like everywhere that there was a leap of faith, there was something along the way that like confirmed that. And you're like, okay, wow okay, this is really happening. This is really real. And okay, well, that way he confirmed that, you know? So it was so awesome to see each little person put in your path because I can see that. Um, I'll never forget in the beginning, um, I had a really hard time getting vendors, you know, to kind of want to be a part of it because we were a new event. Um, I, I had no logistics to tell them of how long we'd been in it and how many shoppers we had and what they could expect. And um, I got, I remember going to City Farmhouse and um, I walked in this lady's booth. I had fell in love with this piece of furniture in there. And she, uh, she said, you like that piece? And I said, yes, ma'am. I love it. She said, that is so odd that a girl you're young of age would be interested in this old piece. And I was like, no, ma'am. I said, I love this stuff. So we just began to talk and she said, where are you from? And I said, Alabama. And I said, well, actually, um, she said, well, what part of Alabama? And I said, five. And she said, uh, I just heard about a show there. And I was like, oh my gosh, is she talking about my show? <laughs> we had never, you know, we had not even had our first one yet. And I was like, really? I have a show there. And she was like, it's called Vintage Something, Picking Something. I was like, it's Vintage Picking. That's me. And she was like, oh my gosh, somebody gave me your card and told me I should check into it. And I'm like, somebody gave you my card? And so we just built this relationship, and little did I know she was a very well-known vendor who's been in the community for 30 years, been in the business, and right then and there, she agreed to do my show. And so from that moment, everybody was like, so-and-so's doing your show? She's doing your show? Oh, oh, well, she's doing your show? Oh, okay. And so it was that just that one person. And I know that had she not been a part of it, she has led one person from another. You know, oh, she's doing it. Oh, okay, yeah. And so she was kind of that voice for us to be able to say, we did it. It was great. It was a great community. And so it's just amazing to watch little things, you know, when you look back and you know that that was not a coincidence. You took that leap of faith, but then this was provided to help it along the way too. And so it's just so neat to watch how it's all knit together and 
um, all these things. It's just one little thing that just connect and connected this, and they've just all kind of fed off each other along the way. It's just so neat to watch it and look back how it all happened and all came together, and you all just kind of fed off of that. So, Yeah, and isn't it great when we can all help each other with yes. that stuff? Yes, it really is. As a community, you know, rising tides lift all ships, and I just think that's just how it works. You know, everybody helps each other. And, um, you know, if you really want to be successful, you don't do it alone. You do it together. And everybody's not for that, but I definitely think that it is something in this day and time. It's definitely what is going to bring businesses together and help make everybody successful by all of us feeding off each other and promoting each other. And so luckily in, in this business, I've seen it happen and I've watched it and I've watched it with our vendors um, make friends and unite and come together and, and they're helping each other. And it's just so cool to see them all out there helping each other and load. We had a girl from up north this last time. She said, wow, this show is definitely different. I've never saw vendors like helping each other and like high-fiving each other over sales. Like it's not a competition here. And I said, no, we're like a family here. It really is like our own little family community of vendors. So we tell everybody you're, you're part of the vintage picking family now. So that's definitely our motto is just helping each other along the way and helping other businesses grow too. So one of the things that I love about you is that you genuinely care about your customers yes. and you're consistently asking them, you know, what are your yeah. ideas? What do you want to see at Vintage Pickin'? What are some of the key ways that you're intentional mm. about keeping in touch with what your customers want? Yeah, I think it's vital. I think because without your customers, you don't have a business. I mean, they are your business and you have to stay true to yourself. There are definitely things um, that we might not be in favor of that I have to think about and consider. Um, but I think hearing what they want is crucial to your business and its growth. And so what we do is we try to survey them. We do that twice a year. After each show, we send out a survey uh, via email um, on our email blast. And then we also put it on our social media pages. And so we ask them about 10 questions. You know, we want to hear from them and what they liked most about it what they would like to see different, you know, did they have anything that they didn't like, you know, what's their favorite thing, what keeps them coming back, you know, what's going to keep you coming here for the next 20 years to vintage picking, so that we can really hear from them, and that kind of helps us gauge our growth and scale that um, to a point for them that keeps them here, it's not too fast or they're overwhelmed, but it's not too slow or they're bored, um, so I love that they're actually willing to give us that feedback as well, too, and because it really helps us to know what steps to take and really what to invest in. And so I think for any business, I think it's crucial. And I would tell them that it's definitely benefited us um, to know the next and right steps to take by what they want and what they want to see and so what they enjoy about it. Well, another thing that I love about you, and this is all part of that, is yeah. your social media presence. Yeah, thank you. You do a great job of letting people really get to know you, and I feel like they really get to know you personally. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah. How has social media helped you grow your business? Social media, wow, it has been phenomenal. Um, the first show that we did, we exhausted so much advertising money and everything. We just thought we're going to do it all. And we're going to see what works best. So we did everything from signs to newspapers to billboards to uh, radio, TV, everything. Um, and after two shows, we did our first survey and we surveyed them. And we asked every customer, how did you find out about us? And while we were taking up tickets at the show, how did you find out about us? How did you find out about us? And unanimously, it was 93% Facebook or Instagram. Wow. 93%. The other 7% was word of mouth. And so we just had to step back and we were like, whoa, okay, we need to really think about where we're putting our advertising money. Because if it's not in newspaper, we don't need to be doing that. If that's not our people, you know, if it's not in radio or TV, we don't need to be wasting out there if we can utilize that to social media and paying ads. So we basically rounded up all of that money that we were putting in everything and we exhausted it in social media ads and it's really worked for us and that's what we see. And so, you know, 93% of them all say they find out about us through social media. So we would be crazy to not keep growing in that and engaging with them in that because that's where they are. And so if we want to continue to connect with them, 
it's definitely through Insta stories and Instagram and Facebook and Facebook lives and Facebook stories. And so that's how we engage with them in between sales, you know, to keep them interested. Because it's hard if you only have two shows a year. It would be easy for them to forget about us six months in between and forget about the event and forget about when it is. And so we really just try to be consistent in that every day and posting and engaging them and educating them and entertaining them, whatever it is, and just letting them really get to see us behind the sales and what goes into it and get to know us and what we're about um, so that they can see kind of the other side of vintage picking too. So it's been really fun doing that. So I've enjoyed it. I am sure that all of this, it takes a village, right? <laughs> yes, definitely. So is your family involved? Who who are all the behind-the-scenes people that make this all possible? It is, it is family and friends for sure. I mean, you can't do it without them. Um, whether they like it or not, <laughs> whether they want to or not, we need you here. No. Um, my kids are, it's so sweet to see them. They love it. My son says he's going to take over. He's like, Mom, when when will I get to take over Vintage Pickin'? I'm like, well, hopefully that's a long time away. <laughs> but I would love for you to be a part of Vintage Pickin' for sure. And so uh, they absolutely love it. They can't wait for every sale. Um, and so my husband is vital. I mean, I literally, I'm so fortunate that I have a husband who's supportive and supportive in that. Even though antiques are not his thing, you know, um, he loves it because I love it. And so that really matters, you know, to have that support at home. And so from parking cars to staging booths to uh, taking things out on the tractor to setting up stuff, I mean, he does it. And so the landscaping and you, it's, there's just so much behind the scenes that you don't think about. You know, on a farm, we have dead limbs that you've got to make sure they're, you know, took care of or potholes and filling them up with dirt. There's just a lot of prep work that takes two weeks, usually at least before just to get the property ready. And that's all him. I mean, that's, he's the one doing that after he's worked all day and has to come home and work. And so, you know, that's a big part of it. My parents are huge, whether in his parents, whether they're keeping the kids so that we can work and work till late hours of night, getting ready for it to babysitting them here and watching them while we're working here. And so, it is definitely a family affair. My sister, she's in charge of all my media and advertising and all that because that is totally her jam. And so I'm so thankful for that. So it's really just a well-oiled machine of family and friends that all come together because they support me and love me. And so, and they love vintage picking too. And so I'm so blessed to have that because honestly, you couldn't do it because one thing I've learned is it is hard to have people that help you if they're not as passionate about your business as you are, you know? Yeah. And so that really bleeds into the customers. And I've been to not just events like this, but other things. And it, if whether it's somebody behind the counter that never talks to the person that comes in, you know, or whatever it is, if they're not passionate about selling your business, it bleeds into your business and to your customers. And so luckily my family and my friends, they love it and they want to see it succeed. So they're just as excited as me. And so on the day of, they're like, yes, we can't wait. And every person that walks in the door, they're like, we're so happy you're here. We're so glad you came. Come on in. Da, da, da. You know, and they love it. And so that excitement bleeds on into our customers. And so then they're exciting too. And as everybody's coming in, they're all just screaming and just excited and running in. And it's just like this rush of emotion. So that really plays key too to even your workers that are here working that they are just as passionate about it as you are and so family you know it, it really is everything and having them here and that they're as passionate about helping you succeed too well it's great that you can involve people family yes. and people from the community yes. in what you're doing yeah what do you love about your small town oh god I do love it I love living in a small town um I love it because it's quiet. I love it because it's supportive. Um, you know, if I had car trouble on the side of the road, anybody would stop and help you. You know, I've got any friend or neighbor that I could just call right down the road. Um, and just that support. We have a really small school system that's very supportive. And so I just love having this here and being able to have people come here and share that with them too. Um, and so I just love the small town community feel and it's not something I always thought I would, I would do, you know, growing up, you're young, you're like, oh, I want to go to the city. I want to move to the city. I want the nightlife. I want the convenience. Um, but you do that for a while. And I think when you've been in a small town and, and you go to that, you really appreciate having that community and that people in the family, even just 
childcare, you know, having my parents here just, you know, right over the road, um, to always be able to, you know, come over here and be a part of my children's life and be at all their little t-ball games and all their stuff. And so, you know, I just love having that support here. And so I love, I just love that I've lived here my whole life and I'm still here and now I'm bringing my business here uh, and being able to share my hometown and my business with people from all over. So it's really exciting. So you've got all these customers coming to Vintage Picking and your yeah. customer base continues to grow. Yeah. Are they mostly local people? Where where are the people coming from? It We really have such a wide variety. We do have local, but we have been so shocked because that was our, you know, I guess, scaredness in the beginning of starting this. Like if we start this business in a town this small, like will people come? And they have. So I think our further... I think our customer from the furthest place has been Canada. And they literally drove here for three days, used their vacation time to come here and shop. So we've had, we have a little map that we keep in the entrance and they push pin everywhere where they've come from. And so we've had people from Washington. We've had people from Boston. We've had people from Canada. We've had a girl from Australia. We've had, it's really been insane to see how far people are willing to drive just to come check it out and shop. And they say it's worth it. So that's what we love, you know. And then the most really awesome part to me is because I'm so passionate about small businesses and entrepreneurs is to watch them not only come here to Vintage Picking, but to watch it bleed out into our community. Because when you've drove five hours to come and shop, you don't want to just turn around and come home. You want to see what else is in the area. So they're not just checking out Vintage Picking, but they're leaving here. They're buying gas here. They're going to our restaurants here. They're going to other cool businesses in town. And then they're going five miles downtown, 10 miles down the road, and they're shopping at those businesses as well. And so it's really cool how it's just kind of bleeding into that. And it's not just affecting us, but it's affecting our community as well too. And they're seeing the benefits of it as well. A friend of mine um, that I go to church with has a business um, in our downtown area and you know, they stay open late. They stay open until like nine o'clock that night to allow our shoppers to come in and shop late. And she tells us that it's, you know, one of her busiest days the whole year. So I just think that's so amazing that, you know, it's able to help bring more people into our small town and community that otherwise, you know, may not have ever driven here because we're just a blink on the map, you know, we're just a little one horse town. Um, but it's it's a beautiful community. It's a beautiful area and lots of mountains and really cool places to, to go to and see. So they're, they're staying the night places in bed and breakfasts and stuff like that outside of town. And so it's just so cool to almost see um, it be revived a little bit just for a weekend. It's just amazing. And you hope that they'll come back even more just in between ourselves as well, too. Yeah, they're falling in love with Fife, Alabama. Yes, that's what I hope, that they'll fall in love with our small town. So good. Well, what's next for Vintage Picking? You've got a lot going on, but what are some of your more long-term goals, and where do you hope to see this go? God, there's so many ideas that I keep wrote down, and you never know, like, okay, is this the big dream? Is this this doable? But there's a lot of of things out there from big to small, but um, we've started the storefront, so that's definitely out there, and we hope to see that do well, and um, we've, we've thought about adding another show and, um, you know, who knows where the Lord will take this. We our one big dream that we have is to offer it in other states. Um, so that that's big. And, and I keep waiting for that step to take. And it's scary, but that is something I definitely want to do in the southeast um, because we realize that our shoppers are driving so far. So how awesome would it be if we could take it? you know, to other communities as well, too, and other states that maybe don't have anything like this in their area to go to, to shop from, and and not only just affect here, but affect other towns as well, too, and be able to bring, um, you know, business to there and shoppers to there as well. So I'm hoping that that's going to be something in the future as well, too, as a travel show. Um, there's been lots of talk of other things from a podcast to, um, you know, I don't know, just a decorating little show. My sister and I have kind of thought about maybe our own little YouTube show eventually one day. I don't know, just some really fun things that I think as time would allow and as we grow and connections being made that maybe we could grow into some things uh, that maybe we would never even see possible, you know? Who knows? You just never know where the Lord's going to take you. Well, I think we would love to see all of those. Yes. So. <laughs> yes, who knows? Um, 
You also started a merch line recently, right? I did. Yeah, we've we've had a merch line since the beginning, and we try to change it up every year. Uh, so we'll usually keep um, a line of shirts and hats for two shows and then transfer it into another one. So that way, you know, we've kind of got new stuff coming in, but we're definitely looking to some different things like that. I'm actually working with a girl from Texas right now on, on a jewelry line. Um, so maybe having some jewelry at some of our upcoming shows that's – um, some reclaimed like leather materials and necklaces and cuffs and stuff like that. That's things that I like. Um, and so I have some other friends that are artists that we may be working on, uh, some individualized pieces that we can sell here at Vintage Picking too. So it's just really, um, you know, thinking outside the box, I guess, you know, and what all there is out there and not letting our mind be uh, limited to what we can do. And, and I love meeting other people who have um, really cool um, passions and skills and how can we collaborate together and work together to help each other too that we're both passionate about. So we're going to do some classes as well. And that's our hope in the barn to do some of those um, eventually too, to offer different classes where people can kind of come and see that they can be creative too. I can paint or I can make jewelry or I could do this too and, and make it fun and, and another way that they could come and be involved in vintage picking and then promote somebody else's skill and really cool talents too. So great. Well, how can people follow along with what you have going on and yeah. upcoming events, all that stuff? Well, we have Instagram, we have Facebook, we have websites. Our website is actually vintagepicking.com. And our um, Instagram handle is just finish picking. And so we post very regularly on those. And then our events actually all have an event page. We have a finish picking barn sale spring event. And then we have a fall one. And so those are really great to follow and click interested in because you automatically get notifications. So every time we post sneak peeks, every time we post vendor shout outs, you are getting the latest um, you know, information on everything because with social media, you know, if you make a post on our page, you know, you never, never know if everybody's going to see it. They'll say, I haven't seen any of your posts in a while, but we're posting. It's just not showing up in their feed. So an event page is a great way to stay connected to them because they automatically get that notification. So we always recommend everybody, whether you think you can for sure come or not, at least click interested. And then that way you can stay up to date with any changes that are being made, all the new and happening things that are coming along. And so that's a great way to stay up to date with us as well. And so, and then we always keep our Facebook and everything updated, our websites updated. So those are both always that they can connect with us and connect emails if they have any questions. And I would encourage everyone to go to your Facebook page and just watch Thank some of your you. Facebook lives because they're great. And Thank you, so you just make those so much fun. So. Oh, thank you so much. It's definitely nerve wracking sometimes, but yes. you've got to get past the nerves and you just got to put yourself out there and do it. And then afterwards you take a deep breath and go, oh my gosh, thank, thank goodness that's over. But yes. it gets easier every time, I will say. What advice would you have for somebody thinking about taking that step, that dream that's been burning yeah. in them and they're super oh. passionate about, what would you say to them to encourage them in this whole process? Yes. Do it. Jump and do it. You will not regret it. I'm telling you. I, sometimes I think if I wouldn't have wasted those two and a half years just fretting over it and, and wondering like where we could be now. Um, but I know there was purpose in that as well, too. But definitely just don't be afraid. Trust your gut um, and go with it because it may not always be easy. It will be hard. There will be times of doubt, but I can promise you if you give it everything you have and if you are that passionate about it, people will see it and they will see that in you. Um, and then I think that that's what lures people in when they, you, your excitement and your passion bleeds off into them and it makes them excited about, and passionate about it as well. Um, so I would definitely say do it. You have to do it smart. You know, I didn't just go, you know what, I'm going to do this. I'm quitting my job. Um, so you got to go through the hard times. You know, you have to uh, learn to juggle it. And if you have the means to do that, I think that is amazing. Um, but for me, it wasn't in the cards. You know, it, there wasn't available. I had always had to be a vital source of income for our family. Um, but I knew deep down um, that it was something I had to do. And so I would encourage everybody, you know, don't just dream about it. Do it. Do it. Just take that step of faith and surround yourself with like-minded people and business people. Because I do think that that also helps because 
I can remember being so scared to even tell anybody. Like that last year before I announced, like I would just kind of throw it out there to my clients as I was doing their hair. And they're like, you want to do what? Really? I've never heard of anything like that. And I would just be like, oh, God. But to those people who are passionate about what you're passionate about, and they are business people, because not everybody's a business. Not everybody wants to be an entrepreneur, but you know when it's you. And I've been an entrepreneur since I was 16. I've been doing my own thing. I've been doing my own business that long. And so those people, they literally, you feed off of them. And they encourage you when you are down, when you are weak, when you need that. And they always are your support system. And so you feed ideas off each other. And so you, they have a perspective of it that you may not ever have thought of. And so it's just a great way to really grow together in a business. And so I definitely encourage to find people who are doing it too. You know, they are jumping and they're doing it too. And their business not may not be the same as yours, but together you're going at it together because you both believe in it. And that is vital. And I've had so many people invest in me over these last three years that I could not be more grateful for. And so those people just helped encourage me along the way to keep going and keep doing it and keep chasing it. So I say, do it. Don't keep waiting. Just do it. Because if you wait for the right opportunity, it may not ever come. You know, you have to take that blind step of faith. And then it's once you do and you put your toe in the water, the rest of it just starts to slowly unfade. And so you just go from there. What like podcasts or even books or resources have been a help to you along the way that you might recommend for someone else? Uh, Jennifer Allwood was a good one. Um, I joined her tribe a long time ago and I, I watched it for like a year and was like, I don't know. And then I finally just said, I'm doing this. And she has been crucial. I listened to her podcast. Um, I'm trying to think of all the bit startup camp by Dale Partridge. I love him. I've been listening to him for a long time. And he is a very smart entrepreneur. And I love that he's failed and he succeeded. And he's been on both sides of that. And so that was awesome to see both sides of that picture and the growth that came out of it. And he's pretty honest about it. Yes. He's very blunt. He's very honest. And there's just so many, so many different books. Uh, I know one book that was crucial that literally made me step out was Lisa Turkhurst. Um, Let's see. What was the book that she did on... um, Managing your time and your decisions, and um, I can't even think of the name of it right Best now. Best yes. Best yes, yes. That book, literally, it was like, it was a game changer. Right then, I was I, when I was on the fence, and I was on the fence of taking that leap, and it was a game changer for me. It really changed my entire mentality of how I looked at this risk and what I'm saying yes to and what I'm saying no to, and I, I knew I had to say yes to this. And so that was a game changer. And so I think you can never stop growing and learning. You have to constantly grow and stretch yourself and learn from other people and educate yourself. So how have you sort of found that balance between being a mom (laughs) and being an entrepreneur and all the demands that come with that? I would definitely say I have not mastered it. (laughs) I have not mastered it, but I'm way better than I was. Um, So I've seen growth there. Um, I'm a natural worker. It's just something in me. I love to work. Um, I find joy in it, and it's what feeds me. But I know that I also have um, been given these children, and I've been given this husband, and I've been blessed with this home. So I know that the Lord has an order for that, you know, and how, and the order of how it comes and business is not always first, you know, you have to be a mom and you have to be a wife. And sometimes that is hard for me to turn off because when you work for yourself, it's not an eight to four. It is not a nine to five. It is all day, every day. You are your accountant. (laughs) You are your secretary. You are everybody. And so, um, you're getting emails all the time. It's real easy to just pick up your phone and do it right then in the middle of dinner. And and so it's having to train yourself, you know what, this can wait. You know what, this can wait till they go to bed. I don't have to respond to that comment on Facebook right now. Even though they say I need to respond in the next 30 minutes for it to really get in the algorithm good, sometimes you just, I think the Lord will bless that in you honoring, um, you know, that order and putting your family first when it's time for that to be first. And so I will not say that I'm perfect at it or that I always follow. My husband will tell you that, you know, um, because it is hard to manage, but it's taken 
every day that step to get better at it and just learning how to do it and and what to say yes to and what to say no to. And so there's been some things I've had to cut out. You know, in the beginning of this business, I was trying to have my hands in everything. Um, And so you learn as you go that you have to kind of rein it in and let's just focus on these few things. And that has helped with time management for me not overworking, you know, and trying to do too many things. So um, I would definitely say, you know, you've got to work at it because it doesn't come natural if you're a natural worker. You, you, I could work 20 hours a day and, and I'm a workhorse. Like that's just what I do. And, you know, I don't need a lot of sleep. I go to bed at 12 or 1 and I get up at 6 and my body probably would tell me I need more. <laughs> but I'm a night owl and so sometimes I can work best at night. And so, um, but I also have to listen to my body when it says, okay, enough is enough. Today we have to go to bed at 10. We need that extra hour. So it's just really listening to your body and your family and what works well for you and just knowing um, what's most important, you know, and I think the Lord will honor that if you are following that and, and running your business that way, that it's a family owned business and they do come first and then that comes next, you know. April, this has been such a fun interview. It's so great to see what you have going on here. And I am so excited for everything that's on your plate and your storefront and whatever else is ahead. So thank you for doing this. Listen, thank you. I was so excited when you contacted me. I'm just so thankful um, that you came all the way here to our little small town to get a glimpse of it and to even consider us and just to be able to find somebody else that has that same vision and passion for uh, small towns and everything. It's so awesome to make another connection. So I'm so glad you came. I've enjoyed it. It's been great to be here. Thanks so much. Yes, thank you. Wow, don't you just love April and her story? It's so fun to hear how she has built her business over the years. And I'm just so encouraged knowing that so many people have come around her to believe in her and support her along the way. And she's killing it. Since we recorded this, they hosted their very first pop-up shop and it was a tremendous success. So they will be doing more of those in the future. And no dates have been announced yet, but you can check their social media pages because they will be announcing that hopefully soon. Also, their spring barn sale is May 4th through 5th, and we are going to be there. I hope you will be too. Leave us a comment if you are going to be there. We would love to meet up with you. Also, mark your calendars for September 14th through 15th. That is their fall barn sale. And if you haven't been to the Vintage Pick and Facebook page, definitely go check out April's Facebook Lives there. You will love what she has to share. And if nothing else, it will just put a smile on your face and you'll be encouraged. So huge thanks to April for being the interview on our first episode of the Rural Revival Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. We'll be back here next week with another interview and we hope to have you back here with us. So thanks for joining us and have a great day.